0: Tonight on the Zero Twitter Spaces, we have an incredible AI artist developed his own AI engine, uh, which I'm really excited to talk about. Uh, he's a big part of the Polygon family, and he's our friend, Dave, a.k.a. Gogh. So, welcome to the show, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming out here and talking to everybody.
1: Definitely. Thanks for hosting all these spaces and showcasing all these amazing artists and community builders Uh been uh, a pleasure to watch as you've grown.
0: Um, you do a lot for the community too. I, I mean, you you collaborate with, I think maybe more people than anyone that I've seen so far. Uh, every every time I see like tweets and stuff going out, there's always like a Van Gogh somehow collaborating with
1: somebody. With <laughs> well, that that was kind of the point of it is to to get it out there and to increase the awareness. The The VanGotti engine is free for anyone to use. Um, I'm not trying to diss any of the the apps or products out there that allow you to create cool AI, but I wanted something more. I wanted to get uh, a lot more control into what I was outputting, and I was willing to pay for a Google Collab Pro license to do it. Uh, You can still use the VanGotti engine on a free Google Collab engine. Uh, a notebook so that anybody can take this and and make their own Van Goethees. Van tea, I, I hope to eventually have it be uh, a noun, a verb, an adjective, uh, really describing when you, you've taken something to the next level.
0: So are you uh, like a computer programmer by trade or are you... Uh developer what what do you do that you were able to develop something so intricate?
1: Well, so I didn't write this engine and I don't write code i I have uh in the past my computer career started with the commodore sixty four so uh, a lot of people in this space might not even know what that is, but that was one of the very first home computers uh, my very first game console was super pong four everybody else had Atari at the time uh I'm I'm pre Nintendo gaming, so I've had computers be part of my life from the very beginning. My first professional job at the age of eighteen was setting up the city of Boise, Idaho's wastewater treatment plant on an inventory system. Uh, you know, I'm an advanced instructor in Lotus One Two Three and WordPerfect 5.0. That's how far back my computer credentials go uh most recently i moved into the world uh about a dozen years ago moved into the world of augmented reality virtual reality and eventually mixed reality and and i'd like to clear those up really quickly and what i mean by those as distinct areas of course vr is pretty obvious it's basically the matrix wherever everything you look at is all digital uh, whether that's on a monitor or whether that's on a head strapped unit, uh, everywhere you look, everything is digital. That is virtual reality. When you talk about overlaying digital content on top of the real world, that's when you get augmented reality. So whether that's a snap filter, whether that is, uh, Pokemon go, or uh, Google Maps Direction showing you a walking path. uh, That's augmented reality. Then you have mixed reality. Mixed reality is when the real world can occlude or block the digital item. So if I'm in my living room and I have a uh, digital dragon flying around my room and it goes behind the couch... Does the operating system know that this digital object has gone behind the real world object? And if so, did the real world object then block it? If I was to shift around to the couch, would I see now the dragon because the couch is no longer blocking the digital item or occluding it? Then that is mixed reality. And so that's the area I really wanted to move into. And... Uh, so that's where I've existed in the, for the past 12 years. But I tend to work with the developers and the subject matter experts to bring the product to reality. Uh, because they don't usually speak the same languages, and I speak both of them.
0: <laughs> gotcha. So um, were these collections that you you have out, uh, the the three collections that I have links to are, uh, Cuba Plenty and your first and second um
1: collections that you have on OpenSea. It was, the the it was, primary I, I, the what? the three primary collections are the Van t originals from my original wallet uh that was hacked, but that was the very first wallet that I uh, created a, a, a collection under. And those were the Van Gogh originals. And then the second and third collections, which are the Van t pieces and the Van t Cubes of Plenty, uh are under my current wallet. Gotcha.
0: Um, so was, was the original, that was your first NFT collection that you've ever released or did you do things prior to this as well?
1: I I did some one-offs of, of learning the, the ropes. That was my very first official collection was the Van Gogh T originals. And the, the thing that really kind of separated my NFTs from the majority of the AI artwork out there at the time. Was I didn't release mine as an image. I released mine as a video uh, that showed you the AI walking through all the steps to create that final image. And it was the combination of what that evoked based on how many frames per second I was giving uh, the recipients or the viewers and the content uh really created a much different experience for the artwork than most of the ai that was out there at the time
0: yeah yours is i think the first collection i've seen that actually has like moving parts like this from start to finish
1: Um, yeah i I like to call that first frame the ai puke and really (laughs) that's that's the seed for uh value that's fed in right at the very beginning uh, In the Van Gogh T engine, you can have a randomized seed number that is anywhere from 16 to 20 digits long. And when translated into the the values that the image is going to start with, it looks a lot like vomit. It's really, really unique how it's how it's laid out. Now,
0: if somebody was to use your Van Gogh engine and they wanted to do something similar to this, you you actually break it down into separate like frames or i'm still a little confused with how how you even get something like this from start to
1: finish because whenever okay. i see a, it's just a single picture you know yeah and and so that's one of the things that i do sunday nights uh i, I try and, and do it at 11 o'clock eastern uh i live stream how to use the van T engine and i do mad living with van T. uh And I take inputs from my Twitch stream and enter those in and walk you through how it's done. And all the way from, okay, we just turned it on. These are the buttons you're going to click to get up and going. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. And then uh, at the end, I then take those downloads that I download and walk through how to mint those as an NFT on Polygon on OpenSea so that people get that full experience of the ecosystem i even show them the collection and the settings in the collection that allow me to rapid fire list something and not make as many mistakes because it defaults it to polygon it defaults it to the collection i want it to be part of and how i use copy and paste from an existing one to make sure that i keep the proper formats that i want Uh, I I walk through every bit of that because really my goal is, is to get this tool into the hands of anybody that is interested in being able to create their own art. Cause I'm not much of an artist when, when drawing by hand, Uh, I I, people are never going to happen. I've done some pretty cool dragon stuff and things like castles and things like that in the past. But there's no way I would create these vivid collections like what the AI is able to make. And my collections uh, are at the same time experiments. Um, it, it, and they're me trying to push the next level of what I can do with this because I have an end game in mind and uh, generative AI is part of that uh, end game. And so The first thing I did was actually create a very large collection that hasn't been released yet, but that's for the Human Anatomy Project. That's a nonprofit that uh, I'm involved with. It's using uh, a technology that I came up with for CT scans, and it's the Human Anatomy Project is collecting CT scan data to create a database to compare your results against in a 3d volumetric system which is really really cool and that's where I, the ai work i was doing with that is where i discovered the uh uh, uh dolly engine i remember you talking
0: about the the ct scans and everything like that in another space and i was kind of blown away
1: and it was too yeah, much so I, I've created a huge huge collection for that nonprofit that once their structure is set up to properly handle crypto and NFT assets, which they want to be very careful with being a nonprofit, uh, those will be released to their donors. But I needed to learn the process of the NFT space, the crypto exchange space for what are they going to have to go through. For donors to be able to get these and so that's when i created the van Goghti original collection and uh created 100 broken up into five collections of 20 themes or uh, five themes 20 per theme and released those at 0.05 ethereum on polygon
0: so when you're using the engine, so let's say, for example, I have the piece up here, uh, A Mysterious World. And let's say if I wanted to create this 29-second video that you're doing, does it get spit directly out of the Van Gogh the engine, or will it give me snippets at time points, and then I have to go Both. and put those into a separate program to start?
1: No, no you won't project. have to do that. You won't have to do that. It uses... So what I specifically requested to be built from a, a Discord AI community was something that you didn't have to be a computer guru to be able to use. And the beauty of the Van Gogh T engine is you you click, you say, yes, I'm going to run this. It's running on a Google collab server. It's not even running on your computer. So when it's downloading the image library it's going to use, it downloads it to its server, not to your computer. At the end, though, the final step of everything that it does, there's an option to download the video. It will then take all the frames from the previous steps and compile them together based on the settings that you told it uh, of how many seconds What's your minimum frames per second? What's your maximum frames per second? That's the only <laughs> part you have to decide. That's so interesting. And, and every- it will then download it and it will name it whatever the last input prompt you gave it was. That's really,
0: it's it's incredible, like the the amount of detail and everything that pops out at the end. Um,
1: it, it, a lot of it is, so I like to describe it as making soup and you're putting flavors into this soup that's what your inputs are now i go into how to do different inputs how to weight multiple inputs how to use images for inputs and things like that in my in my uh twitch stream but it's really more about uh the composition of what you want to put into the inputs and then how, because of what I've uh, added in as a second step of being able to retarget it, it allows you to actually do full storytelling and create a video from that. So what's like the learning curve uh, for somebody to try to pick up this engine? Like if it, it, If you have the link, and okay. you watch one Twitch stream from me, you will be making your own. Uh, Grandma loves crypto. A quick shout out to her. Uh, I, I, I hooked her up with it. She was able to walk all the way through. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's specifically designed to where all you have to do is click play a bunch of times, fill out basically one... one Paragraph section uh, of input data, where you're saying what your inputs are, and what size you want it to be, how many steps you want it to use, and how often you want it to show you a progress frame.
0: Wow, you know, because like like you were saying, I'm I'm really not physically like gifted as far as like art goes, where I could just take a pencil and draw something nice,
1: but AI art I mean, is something. I mean, that- I don't think- so I have I have it pulled up here. If you have it pulled up there, we can literally walk through as you you get everything done and by the end of this interview you'll have made art. So if you followed that link I gave you, the first thing it says is generate images from text phrases with VQGAN and CLIP. Z plus quantize method with augmentations. That is the original collab notebook that this was built on. It's had some tweaks done to it. But the first thing you do is click the play symbol next to licensed under the MIT license. And all of these have this little show code area where you can actually see exactly every bit of the code if you want of what's going on. You'll get a green check mark next to it after it's run to let you know it's done. Set up installing libraries. You click play on that. It's then going to request a graphics card, from a GPU from Google, and get assigned one. And it's going to make sure that's good enough for what you're going to be doing. And it's going to download Clip and install the Python libraries for AI, the Transformer libraries, the Taming Models, libraries for managing the metadata, ffmpeg for creating the videos and then it'll be done the next section is selection of models to download and there's a bunch of different uh models and models are a collection of images that have been tagged with text pairs so this is a dragon not only is it a dragon it's a green dragon it's a green scaly dragon so you know all those words could be tagged and then it could be pulled when it's wanting to reference because you used the word dragon. So there's ones that you can use for commercial purposes. There's ones you can use for non-commercial purposes. Those are clearly labeled and listed there. As I said, these are downloaded to a temporary computer that Google is loaning you called a collab notebook. Collab, short for collaboration. So there's no sense in downloading all of these models because you're not going to use them. And the next time you log in, you're going to need to download again. So by default, it should have S Flickr as the one that's checked. That's the one that you're going to want to download. So when you click the play button next to selection of models to download, it's going to give you a progress and a time total time spent time left on how long it's going to take it usually takes about six minutes just under to download all the uh image library data that it needs to create that model to create the artwork now there are other models out there you can make your own models you can train your own models but s flicker is one that's available for commercial use purposes faces hq is also available for uh commercial use purposes but that's not the work i tend to do uh i use s Flickr. what's uh what's been kind of the inspiration behind these
0: are you like into like uh a lot of it reminds me of video games that i used to play like older dungeons and dragons type games with like elven villages, like that's really what I, what I see with it. I, I, I used to play with a with- lot
1: of the work that I've done there. Yeah, I, I used fairy and magic and mysterious. Uh, and those were the influences for those. Uh, the other one, uh, the Novus Earth one that is uh, Zed Run, which is a NFT horse racing and breeding uh, game that I play that it's basically a futuristic earth and so that's the the feel and theme because that was the community i was involved in i tried to commit, create some art that might appeal to them and it was very successful
0: so what's the difference when because i hear a lot of ai artists artists talk about 3d art what's kind of like the difference between the two and can your van Gogh engine pop
1: out 3d art as well as um ai art So there's a a broad description in the the 3D art. Now, some of them are building the 3D and it's an actual object. That is not at all what mine does. There are also ones that will use a technique called diffusion that will kind of like allow you to move into the painting and the painting will grow and build as you move through it. And I have not got that added into the, uh, Van Gogh engine yet, but it is in the works of, of getting that upgrade to be able to have that as an option because that's what I really want this to be is, is a multi-purpose tool where you can take advantage of all these different, uh, paths to create things and put as many of them together as options as I can that are free. Now, you're doing something pretty unique with your pieces collection. Um, so, yeah, so that, was a, push- uh, that was me pushing the envelope there of, okay, how can I create an inter- interaction, engagement, and reward my Van Gogh original holders? Yes, I want to uh, go ahead. You have it set up where the, the
0: actual artwork kind of interacts with other artworks and you kind of yield a cube piece from it, basically, right? You purchase six pieces of the
1: same series and then you get an additional NFT with it. So, yeah, I made it a – the next thing I wanted to do was I wanted to apply my artwork as a wrap to a 3D object. And so, because I have some long-term plans for the uh, combination of 3D models and the AI. So the next step was, okay, how do I get the artwork onto the 3D model? First, I was going to do a coin and do two sides of a coin. But the number of frames that I was using, the iteration count, uh, was... Usually around 120, 125 for most of the collections I was wanting to do. And I tend to get a progress image every 20 frames. So I was getting six sides of the cube basically thrown at me that were the progress images of the video. So I reached out to one of my 3D modeling buddies and said, look, I need a cube set up to where I can just go in and swap out the texture file on each side of the cube with a single image. Now, I wanted it to be a video, but OpenSea didn't support that. Uh, while I could do it in Blender, I couldn't upload that model to uh, OpenSea and sell it that way. So that's when I went ahead and and split each a uh, single image into six progress frames and minted the progress frames. And then, if you collected all six of the same cube and sent them back to me, I would then turn them into the 3D cube, which you could play with like a fidget spinner, but also as utility for the game that I'm wanting to build, that all this stuff is building onto. Can you can you talk a little bit about the game, or is it going to be uh, kind of like under wraps for a little bit? No, I, I have always been willing to talk about it, and if you know, you know. Uh, the way I've set it up, nobody is uh, buying and or minting anything for my game. There are art holders that are going to be rewarded when I get to the level of tech needed to release the game I want to release. Uh, so start by saying that. But the, the game is called the Dragon's Den uh, right now. Uh, you are the immortal Dragon Den owner if you own uh, that NFT. A Dragon's Den is basically your uh, membership NFT that gives you a complete world. Uh, a metaverse world. That metaverse world, you will receive micro transaction fees for everything that goes on in that world. It'll be a play to earn economy where you'll have real world citizens that come to uh, play in your world. As they play in your world, they will need food. How do they get food? They can apply their daily energy to uh, tasks. In the beginning, they won't be good for very much, but uh, manual labor. But as they build up in excess of food, they'll be able to learn better skills. I, I grew up playing heavy-duty RPGs. Uh, I World of Warcraft junkie, Elder Scrolls Online, Skyrim. Uh, You know, the all the way back to the Final Fantasies, the Dragon Warriors, things like that, the Breath of Fire. So civilization for me, those are the types of games that I've always loved. And so I decided the game, if I can build a game, is going to be a empire building game. There will be two levels of playing this game. There's the Dragon Emperor. He's the one that owns the planet and gets to uh, lease out land on it, gets to put up job contracts, gets to have, uh, uh, like I said, the, the minor transaction fee off of everything that goes on there. But there's a second game, which is everybody else getting to play. And since the tech I want to be able to build those worlds is not available yet, I decided, well, what what is available to me right now? What can I build now? Well, right now I can build a mixed reality dragon racing game and breeding game and fighting game. And since dragons are part of the the game that will be in the NFT Web3-based world, that's what I'm working on right now. Is uh, I don't know if you're old enough to know Tamagotchi uh, but they were virtual pets that existed on a keychain. I remembered them. Yeah. I'm 38. I, I, I know about most okay. of the stuff that you're talking yeah. about. So, so you understand the vision of what I'm talking about? then. I do, yeah. And I, I see a lot. Uh, I, I don't want to put down the quality of any of the, the games that I'm playing right now or that I've seen. Uh, releasing stuff in the future, so I won't name the Red Village by name. Uh, but, you know, when I think of Metaverse World games and, and Web3 based gaming, I don't think of Atari and Minecraft. And that's what I'm seeing. Yeah. I, I mean... And while i can appreciate they're working with what's available what's going to be available in 2 years to me makes it not worth messing with that level if that's where you're starting if you're starting in the sandbox or you're starting in decentraland um that's not the end game to me so why am i going to build for it I mean, it makes sense, especially when like these
0: larger studios are going to be coming in and they're going to be doing game development on the blockchain. Right. It's, it's really going to make everything else look like it's you know ancient history. And it's- even
1: if even if ninety percent of the gaming doesn't exist on the on chain, even if it's just a Web three login to link your accounts between multiple uh, gaming systems and platforms. That's the first step of what's going to be coming is your Web3 login for your Sony and your Microsoft and being able to get your spend your Assassin's Creed points uh, across both of them. Yeah, that's
0: essentially that's, that has to happen. You know, it, yeah. it, it has to start with some sort of just maybe just buying in-game currency through the blockchain to upgrade a skin in the game or something like that. It's going to start very small
1: and subtly, before it really kind of branches out. Yeah, it, it, it's going to just start with your login. It's just going to be linking your your Web3 wallet to your login, and the next thing it'll be is your subscription service, if paying your subscription fee with it.
0: I have, a, I have a question for you about, like, AI and how, how these engines and stuff are built. Maybe you could yeah. help me with that. Now, is there a way to kind of incorporate AI into music? Is there yeah. a way where you could kind of, like, put in a word and then it might spit out some sort of rendering from what that word is then translated into, like, a musical note?
1: Oh, completely. They They already have. I, I don't know the names off the top of my head, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, there's there's guys in the uh, AI uh, art group that I'm part of right now that are doing uh, that. You can put in a video, and it'll make audio for it. You can put in image or word text inputs, and it'll make audio off of that. That's so strange and, and so
0: exciting too. I mean, I don't know, like as a musician, I don't know if I consider that cheating. It might be a little bit of cheating, but it's definitely freaking interesting. I guess okay.
1: So if you went from uh oil based paints to digital art, are you cheating? Mm. Some yeah. would say yes. It's all just a matter of perspective. Uh, If you look at it as you have a new tool available and you still continue to try and push your envelope as an artist with the new tools you have available to you, then I don't find it to be cheating. You know, when when Pixar and, and Star Wars get together and they're using AI to generate the next TIE fighter and they take an original image of an original TIE fighter and they're like, yeah, I want the new one to be... A lot sleeker, uh, a lot more visible cannons, uh, more visibility of the driver, and uh, give me a lot of chromatic finish to uh, the metals. And they get a dozen models popped out to them in three seconds and they're able to then take those and use those because they're 3D volumetric they're totally structurally sound have all the elements required based on the original configuration you know and they're able to then use that and say all right now give me 20 variations on this so that I have a fleet armada and now give me uh, a blue tone on all of these ones duplicate them Mirror them on the other side, give me a red tone on all of those, and now animate that into a fight. Is that just awesome or is that cheating? I don't know because I couldn't even follow you. So maybe. I, I, I'm saying yeah. you can basically start from a single TIE fighter and build out it using AI, you'd be able to build out the entire battle sequence of two armadas. Hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. using voice input
0: yeah i I just think it's I, I don't know i don't really know how i feel about it i i definitely would like to see it with music but i don't know how i feel about it yet it's you know somebody that's that's trained playing piano for 30 years it's it's hard for me to kind of wrap my head around somebody who hasn't created a bit of music in their life and they just put words into um a field and then they make something it sounds awesome i don't know kind of like it's it's hard for me to really grasp in my head how how it's going to work i'm looking forward to seeing it though i'm not against it i just don't know how i feel about it yet
1: yeah when you're saying uh hey google play me uh some jazz and it then riffs for the next five hours till you turn it off that's going to be a little crazy. YouTube music, you'll need one of the premium accounts. It looks like you're eligible. Google, shut up. Do you want to get an email info? man,
0: good old Google. So, um, let's let, let me try to get back on course a little bit. Um, I saw that you're doing a couple collaborations, and and Jay is in the room here. I saw something about the chickens project coming up. Um,
1: if you and want to know the details, you Sorry about that. No, it's okay. Did you hear what I said? Uh, I heard you mention collaborations, chickens, and and, uh, Jay. And so, yeah, uh, I've volunteered to do collaborations with pretty much anybody that that would like to use a Van Gogh T artwork for a background or anything like that. And I uh, was in a space for Beluga mentioned that Jay reached out to me, uh, talked to him, said, Hey, what are you kind of interested in? Got his flavor words from him. As I said, for making the soup, one of the things that he really wanted was kind of an, an egg feel because these were going to, these were chickens that were going to have reward drop eggs, basically loot boxes. So I took, and as part of my input, Uh, I used a silhouette of an egg and that really kind of uh, locked where the start of the image would develop. And he gave me a poem and I used that poem as a part of the input. And so created him a number of these eggs that had wonderful rainbows and butterflies and bumblebees and, And rolling fill hills and uh gave those to him, and he was able to use them in his project.
0: Yeah, I I saw a video that um, was put out the other day with Jay yelling about chickens, and then I I saw you popped up on it, and I was like, "Ah, let me ask him about this because you know you're you're very informative with the stuff you say. Jay makes me laugh all the time when he's talking, so I figured what better group of guys to uh have a team here. I mean, it, it, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um, I saw that you have some of your artwork on, on cyber. Um, do, do these like virtual galleries that they have, do they really
1: kind of like bring a return at all? Or is it kind of, well, I would start by saying they're free. So the, the return is not hard to realize if, if you return, if you get any sales, but, uh, the OnCyber is really easy for someone that, again, the web world is not really their first forte. It's, it's a lot easier to set up and to link to your OpenSea artwork. And so then if you share the link to the OnCyber and people go and they engage with your art, they can actually go straight from that gallery to OpenSea and buy that piece of art. I use it to showcase artwork that isn't really for sale. So I don't know personally what the conversion rate would be. The, the galleries I've set up uh, showcase artwork that is being held by other people. But because I created them, I can still showcase them. Oh, that's cool.
0: I kind of like that. Um, are you doing anything like uh, if somebody buys any of your artwork... Uh, do you do anything like make a physical print for them or anything?
1: Um, I'm willing to, and I've actually uh, got a few pieces that I, I'm considering doing that and and having uh, our local college here. I'm an advisor to the College of Science, and I'm trying to get with their art department to do a, a class for their students as well as a uh, showing of some of my pieces. So that will probably be the first time that they will be. I know that the collection of ones that are being done for the Human Anatomy Project, they are going to be doing them uh, in a special way that includes uh, postcard versions of them at the galleries they'll be at.
0: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of your pieces, especially on like your original collection, they remind me of, like, they're much more detailed, but almost like something that would be like a blacklight poster that I would have hanging up. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's the color schemes that you have in them, or um...
1: yeah, uh, no. A lot of that is again goes into those flavor words that that I use. So the title of them, "A Mysterious World," that isn't all the inputs that I used. That oh. that would the one that probably had the most weight to it, but you can do other things. So. If you work with these long enough, you'll develop lexicons, you, You'll things that you need to add or subtract, uh, like the word rendered. Adding the word rendered is one of your inputs. Okay, well, it's then going to include in its styling, in its flavors, a lot of images that were rendered and therefore high detail. So how hard is it to to like
0: fine tune stuff is it is it difficult and like how frequently when okay. you it
1: depends on your target you know if you are wanted to make you a cherub that's probably going to be difficult think first what the software was originally designed to do originally it was designed actually to repair uh photographs to convert uh, solid blocks of stuff into scenery, basically. And so scenery-type images, it's really, really good at. You also have to consider what is the engine and what is the model that is being used to create that imagery. So I'm using S-Flickr. Flickr, you can look up and see what are the images that are in this model library you can create your own model libraries and that allows you to target for very specific things so the van gotti engine is a very general purpose uh, swiss army knife of one but you could very easily create very targeted libraries
0: I just think the whole thing is so cool. I I, I was really surprised to um, that you're not charging a single dime for this. Is there uh, any like any any time down the road are you gonna maybe do like a premium Never. upgrade? Everything's gonna be available for everybody. Yep.
1: Yeah, if you know, you know, and it's there, and I look forward to seeing what people do with it. You know the. Uh, it, If you follow me, I follow you back. You can DM me, and I'm more than happy to share the link to the Van Gogh T-Engine to anybody that wants it. Uh, And like I said, my streams are Sunday nights at 11 uh, on Twitch, and I tweet it out when I go live. So uh, if you follow me, you'll be able to find out when I go live, and you'll be able to sit in on one, and after one walkthrough, You're off and running and you're down the rabbit hole.
0: I think that's so great that you're just opening up and and giving it to people because I mean, something like this where you could create something of such detail. And like for myself, I know there, I, if I was trying to draw something like this, I could try for a million years and nothing like this fantastic would ever come out. And I, I just think that's really awesome of you to offer it up to everybody. And, you know, that's that just shows you like, how strong the community is, where everybody's mind is. Everybody wants everybody to win.
1: Um, We stand on the shoulders of the giants that came before us, but it's our responsibility to be the shoulders of the next generation. So.
0: So Do you need like a super demanding computer in order to run this? Or can I do it like a laptop that I buy?
1: You could literally do it on your phone, but it's a pain in the butt to try and save the, uh, images and the video on your phone. Uh, there are collab notebooks that will allow you to mount your own Google Drive to it and it'll download it straight to your Google Drive for you if you like. This one does not do that. I removed it because it's a more complex step. Uh, but uh, the beauty of it is is the complex computer is Google's. They're assigning you the RAM. they're assigning you the uh, GPU to do all this heavy lifting. Gotcha. And what we're using it for isn't even serious heavy lifting to them. They get annoyed at you that you're not even using the processor when you're downloading the model and stuff like that. But they will time you out if you're on the free version of, of Google Collab. Uh, and so you won't be able to do nice, long, you know, a 1,000 iteration runs. I hardly ever do those, most of mine. Uh, I either get what I want within 65 to 125, or i don't and i move on to a new prompt to some new flavors to more refining my flavors things like that but uh if you go for the google collab pro license which is 9.99 a month uh you don't get timed out so that that's nice
0: There, price wise um so, is the next is the next project that you have coming out? It's going to be the anatomy project, or do you have something coming out prior to that? Uh, so, prior to
1: that, I have uh, a wearable for Decentraland coming out for my Council of Wizards, uh, which is uh, the Van Goghti original holders. Uh, all just by being Van Gotti original holders, get a Dragon's Den by default. And so of those Van Gogh T original holders, I have some that are social media experts. I have some that are streamers. I have some that are dungeon masters. Uh, and so I'm collecting them and turning them into my council of wizards to help design the full gameplay. So
0: before I was going to ask you, like, how how frequently... Let's say out of 10 tries of, of doing, pumping stuff into your, your engine, do you actually get something that you feel is uh, sellable that you want to actually put out for sale on OpenSea? Is it relatively frequently?
1: Um, does so, it happen
0: more often once you get a hang of the engine better as well?
1: So currently the uh, run I'm doing for AI is a Dragon Egg series. And uh I'm planning on creating one hundred of these dragon eggs. So I will probably create anywhere from five hundred to a thousand to narrow those down from.
0: All right, so somewhere around five to ten percent, I guess you would say.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that I'm happy with that I that I'm willing to put out. Uh, you know, I made a hundred of each of those collections that were the Van Gogh originals and selected the 20 I liked the most from each. And I was still willing to burn those. So there's only 77 of the Van Gogh originals left because there were some parts of, the, of that collection that were more popular than others. And when that became obvious, I instituted a burn mechanic. And every week on Friday... I burned one of the Van Goghti originals from each collection that wasn't sold out. That left seventy-seven left. That's uh that's pretty cool.
0: I kinda like the whole thing, how are you doing. Um like how about copyrights? Is is copyrights an issue with, with AI stuff or is everything pretty much uh like free use?
1: Uh, uh, again that's that comes down to the models that you use. There are certain models that commercial use is allowed there are certain models that commercial use is not so that's why those are separated in the Vangoti engine so that you can play with both but uh, you know which one you're playing with <laughs>
0: I understand yeah so
1: um And then for the Van Gogh holders, uh, those that hold my artwork, all rights transfer to them so they actually can put it on a phone case or a, a mouse pad or whatever they like. So what do you think we could do
0: in order to get the education as far as crypto and NFTs out a little bit easier where people don't necessarily think this is a
1: scam or... You know, uh, a- the Coinbase wallet is going to be the first major step towards that. Um, that I I really think that's going to be the first semi semi mainstream adoption is when you're able to just use your credit card and buy an NFT with no middle layer going on.
0: Yeah, that's what I had written down myself. You know, that I think the the main thing that we need is credit card payment somehow
1: getting. If, if we could yeah, really I mean, get there's everybody- a number of different solutions that are that are looking to tackle that, uh, and that's where you get into layer one and layer two uh, discussions, which I don't mind doing, but uh, you've, you've got to consider the number of transactions that you want to be able to have happen, and that dictates what chain you can have that on. When you think of how many transactions per second can happen on Bitcoin's blockchain, you're you're not talking about very many at all. I think it's five or six per second. Yep. And then when you get to the Ethereum blockchain, which a lot of people get Ethereum and, and Ether confused. Ethereum is the blockchain. Ether is what you pay for gas on the blockchain. Uh, it's a mild distinction, but it's a very important one uh, because the Ethereum network can only handle, I think 15 or 30. I forget which one it is, but transactions per second on the network. So neither one of those solutions, Bitcoin or ether are acceptable solutions to create an actual uh transaction network that will handle point-of-sale solutions. So then you look, okay, well, that's what the layer two conversation is. Layer two lumps in a lot of different types of things that are trying to solve any one of three or depending upon what they're saying, all three of the problems that you have built inherent into Bitcoin, which was a network to be able to transact money. So literally just plus or minus information. Ethereum, which was about transmitting information, uh, transactional information, but less about uh, transfer of value and more about transfer of, of ownership information. Then you have to start looking at things like Cordano, things like that, to be able to solve either network traffic, security, or what's the third? Uh, uh, decentralization. Anytime you solve one of those problems, you affect the other two. You want a super fast network? Well, then it's not going to be very decentralized. You want a super secure network? Then it's not very decentralized. You want a a super secure network? It's usually not very fast. You know, there's always a trade-off. Where are you, where are you tr- getting, what are you trading to get that? And so when you talk about being able to do credit card transactions on-chain, what layer to solution is designed to handle enough transactions per second that it's not going to become a major processing drain and power drain for a huge network. That's a lot to think about. Yeah, I mean, that that's what the, the whole reason why Ethereum has not gotten to Layer 2 yet is it's a big problem to solve. And so you've got a lot of things. Combine that with, as artists, that are creating on the networks... Here in the States, you also have to consider which of these transactions are considered taxable transactions for you as an artist. Because depending upon the state you live in and the way they are reading the laws, you could be taxed when you buy your crypto. You could be taxed when you create your art. you could be taxed when you sell your art and you can be taxed when you turn that back into cash it's, there's there's a lot <laughs> so you create a thousand pieces uh, a one you you create one art and you create a thousand copies of it. Depending upon where you live, you just created a thousand taxable events. Most people aren't even thinking of that stuff right now. But that's going to matter. And the way they will ultimately usually decide that stuff is going to be based on the change. What chain is this occurring on? So if it's occurring on Ethereum, that's more likely to be considered a taxable event, just creating the art. If you're on a side chain, such as Polygon, you're more likely to be able to avoid the taxation event of creating the art. The selling of the art, the transacting of the currency from Polygon back into Ethereum, that might be a taxable event depending upon your location. But it, so then we look to Solano, Cordana, uh, Penguin, you know, all, all these different uh, things that are out there to solve this problem. Where is that the liability is going to come in from taxes on those? Are each of these decisions going to have to come down individually, like XRP and Ripple? There's a lot of stuff here that's going on that, as an artist, you might not be thinking of, but that are going to have major effects on you.
0: So, I mean, we we could really do a space just on that, you know, just thinking about all the
1: possible things that are, you know, hardships we might have to face down the road. Pretty incredible. Um, the decision of, OK, do I transfer this piece of art from one uh, chain to another chain? And if I do, do I destroy the original chain event or am I duplicating it and these exists as separate but equal or are, you know. Do they have different status because one's on Ethereum and one's on Polygon, although they're the same image? do What are the ownership rights of the art? Uh, the people that own the collectors that own the art? There's a lot of different stuff that you could mess yourself up on along the way, just jumping into it the way I did. <laughs> well,
0: uh, we're getting towards the top of the hour. Why don't you tell everybody what you have coming up? Um and what type of uh, expectations we should have from the artwork that you have being released. And uh, also, uh, anybody in the room here, if you want access to the Van Gogh, the engine, the link is right in Dave's profile here. If you haven't followed him, please do follow him. Doing some crazy stuff and helping a lot of
1: community members out here, so let's show him as much support as possible. So I think I'll use my last five minutes to show the... uh we wizard Willie project that I'm doing, which is, uh, my pinned tweet, uh, on my profile. And I have to get a lot of art sent out to people that, uh, have dropped their address on it. But, uh, I take, and I've, I have five, uh, Dr. Seuss style stories that I wrote about a character called the wee wizard Willie. And, I am not an artist, and I do not feel like having AI draw my Wee Wizard Willie. So I put it out there for the community, for any artist that wanted to. Uh, they, If they would make a cover art piece for the Wee Wizard Willie story, that I would take and make an NFT with 100 copies, that I would include their information, all their social that they chose to give me, uh, in that, uh, NFT as well as the whole story. And I would mint the hundred copies, give them 50 and I would give away 50 for free. And so that's an open and running offer. Anybody that ever wants to create a wee wizard really and send it to me, I will create the NFT and I will include it in ones that I hand out to the people that reply to my pinned tweet with, uh, wanting to get an NFT for their grandchild or their child. Or maybe they just really like it themselves and they want it themselves. But uh, there are three artists so far that have sent me uh, "We Wizard Willie renditions. And so that collection has three "We Wizard Willie uh, pieces in it that are all from different artists, but all have the exact same uh, story inside of the original story of the Wee Wizard Willie.
0: We really need to start getting children more into NFTs. Uh, when I was reading that tweet that you had put out, uh, the first thing I thought was, when are we going to start kids about this stuff in, in grade school? And I don't think we're too far off. I think it'll happen eventually.
1: Yeah, when their rec- when their school records end up on the blockchain, they'll know all about it. <laughs>
0: Should be cool. I mean, um, so where where do you see yourself a year from now? Do you think you're going to have the uh, the game kind of getting ready to come out, or do you think that's going to be a little bit further down the line? Uh,
1: so a year from now, uh, hopefully I'll be uh, elbows deep in the CT scan project with uh, can't say what uh, color of cross it was group that is talking to us, but it wasn't red. <laughs> uh for the ct scan uh technology and we'll be guiding the team on the way to releasing the mixed reality uh dragon game uh, i do have a dev house that has web 3 experience and game dev experience and uh so that's it already lined up right now we're working on the fine-tuned details of what daily missions will be like and, and what interactions you'll have with your dragon and if we can get interactions with your dragon and another dragon or if we have to wait to a version two to do that uh that how long is that wait is it worth doing the one before the two or just go straight to the two so I think that within the next year, I'll know the answer to a lot of those questions as far as the technology platforms go.
0: Are you going to be writing the storyline, or you have somebody else uh, working on that with you?
1: So it, it's a partnership uh, right now. It's the me and some dungeon masters that so we're working heavily from lore, uh, both uh, existing in history as well as fantasy lore. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, you know, I was a dungeon master as well, uh, and my specialty was repeatable one shots, you know so <laughs> it, it, that really is where I come from the the choose your own adventure decisions have consequences, but do whatever you want well, Dave, hey, you have a ton of
0: stuff going on um. I want to thank you for taking an hour out of your day and coming and talking to the community. Some of the stuff confused me, um, but I feel like I've learned some stuff as well. I'm going to start toying around with this Van Gogh, the engine. When do you engine. Um, when did
1: you say you do you do classes? Monday nights, 11 p.m. Eastern time on my Twitch stream. And I and tweet you. it out before I go live. Okay, awesome. All right,
0: so I'm looking forward to it. Um, thank you so much for coming out and talking to the community. I, I really do appreciate your time, Dave.